0: okay yeah if you're not here you're missing out totally missing out if you're just watching this online or listening to it so we are continuing our uh four week series on uh being anti-chameleons as christians you all know that chameleons conform they adjust whatever environment they're in they turn the same color so they just kind of blend in and the bible calls us not to conform but as we looked at last week to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and, and salvation so that's where we're digging in today if you want to read with me in your Bibles and meet your kind of finger in that spot we're gonna be in first Peter, um, so Peter 2 and Jeremiah 32 so first Peter 2 and Jeremiah 32 some of you may already know this but when I was a freshman in high school uh, my first year in high school I, I uh, tried out for the football team now I thought that was a good idea because I had a whole year of previous experience from ninth grade in in the football team and in ninth grade, I think I played almost 3 minutes. I mean, that was my experience. So I got to high school and thought, I can do this. I tried out. The coach tried to make me quit. He put me up against the varsity and uh, uh, being a short guy with not a lot of brain cells. I just kept pushing forward and trying and uh, I Actually did make the football team with all the coaches efforts to get me to stop So and some of you know the story after we're all done he he put the thing up on the wall of who made the team and I made the team and they kind of came over and pulled me aside from all the other boys and kind of put his arm around me and he said John I'm impressed you made the team but he goes uh you need to find something else to do because you will never play a single game or a single minute this season you made the team but you've got nothing for us so you won't be playing you'll just be sitting on a bench so luckily it was a little tough conversation at first but i took his advice and then i found wrestling later that year and within less than a year i had been invited to be on the varsity team and i realized in that scenario with the football team being a whopping 105 pounds, going through puberty, very uh, uh, not agile at the moment, going through those growing pains as a, a young boy. I had nothing to offer the football team. There was just nothing for me to give them. But then when I got on the wrestling and kind of was at an even level and I could use my talents, the reason I was picked to be on the wrestling team, on the varsity team, was because I had something to bring to the team. I had some kind of benefits some traits some skill that i could bring to the team to help them succeed and make them better point about that is is this the reality is if you are in god's kingdom if you have salvation god has so designed you that you have something to offer the team i mean he has made us that way the bible talks about we have different gifts and different skills and uh, different spiritual gifts and different talents but God brings that all together into one church under one God in one name of Jesus Christ that he brings us together in the way that as we come together and function with our individual skills and gifts and talents we have something to bring to the table to make the team better right now I think of that because God uses some of the strangest people in the world, doesn't he? I mean, he calls us lambs, and Ellen, you know about lambs. Lambs are probably one of the most stupid animals on the world, right? I mean, they're scared of running water, they will devastate a, a, an area and eat themselves out until they just starve to death. But the reason they were called lambs is because we're called to follow the Good Shepherd. So God uses us as lambs, and he uses people from all different aspects, all different backgrounds, all different skill levels, and, you know, God says that he will use the foolishness of the world to confound the world. That sometimes we may look at ourselves and say, what do I have to offer? What do I have to bring to the table? I mean, so-and-so, I mean, I look at Kenno, and he's got all these skills, and he's cool, and he's smart, and he knows all this stuff, and, I mean, he's, he's in good health, he does all, he knows how to <laughs> fist bump Tara, I mean, and I don't have anything, you know? But that's not what God's story is with us last week we looked at the issue of not conforming to the world and the importance of that in God's kingdom that we are to be a light unto the world a light set in a world of darkness and that symbolism of sin a world that is ruled by the God of this world That it's dark it's it's, it's sinful it's it's in need of salvation and God takes us and transforms us in salvation and makes us light and as we talked about last week if you're in a dark room if you were in a huge stadium that's covered and it's completely dark if you light one match or turn on one cell phone with your flashlight where can you see that light from everywhere, everywhere. I mean even if you're on the other end you can see that light it stands out And that's the call that we're looking at and not being a Christian chameleon, not just blending in with everybody else and looking the same and acting the same because the reality that we talked about last week is this, if we come to salvation and we look just the same as everybody else in the world, then we are not living the Christian life, are we? Because God has called us to stand out. Now the problem we have with that is sometimes we don't wanna be that person that what? Stands out, right? We don't like the confrontation that we get when we stand out. Because when we're different we're standing out for Christ, the world kind of comes against us is like, what is wrong with you? Why don't you just conform? Why don't you just accept us and be like the rest of us? So the Bible calls us not to conform, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the word of God, by the Holy Spirit. We're to be transformed. And the cool thing is, we come into today's message is that when we're transformed by God, in salvation filled with the holy spirit our debt of sin is wiped away we are free and as the bible says if we're free in christ we are free indeed that as god transforms us he makes us useful for his purposes again because we have died to ourselves no longer live for ourselves we now live for who as christians we live for christ and our life is meant to bring glory to god and he transforms us into being into his purpose his will for his glory and that impacts the world because we stand out first peter chapter 2 we're going to start with verse 9 and read to verse 12 i'll be reading out of niv just because i like that translation better for this verse as it fits our our message today and it reads this first peter 2 starting verse 9 but you notice that there's a comma there's this conjunction but it's like stop and wait a minute there's something here you got to take notice of but you it's personal are a chosen people well that's pretty cool right remember playing red rover as a kid or playing any sport you didn't want to be which person picked the last one right (laughs) well they didn't it's like being picked by default right it's like well they don't have anybody else they have to pick me right we didn't want to be that kid And here, Peter is telling us, you are a chosen people. I mean, if you're like me and you think back in those days of junior high net, when you were the first one chosen, you were like all that, right? Woo-hoo, and more, right? You are a chosen people, but it goes on. You are a royal priesthood, royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, and holy means to be what? Set apart put in a place of honor elevated raised up a people belonging to whom to God we are God's own possession why that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of what out of he called you out of darkness you were brought you were rescued you were saved you know it's like you're drowning in that water and that saving hand reaches down I think of Peter as as he's writing this, you know, with the story of Peter walking on the water. How cool is that? And then he begins to look at the waves and the storm, and he sinks, and Jesus reaches his hand down. He was saved out of the depths of darkness of that water. And that's what Peter is conveying to us, is we were in the depths of darkness and sin and depravity. And Jesus reached his hand down and pulled us out. What a cool image to think about, isn't it? That we were saved from darkness into the wonderful light. Y'all love lights at Christmas, right? Yeah. And all, I mean, it's pretty. Firework lights, Christy already said that. We actually love the light. Amen. And that's the salvation, and that's what people are drawn to. But so many people fight it. So we were drawn out of darkness and we were put into, and he uses that adjective, wonderful light. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from what? Fleshly lusts. Fleshly lusts, sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us." What a good word for us today. Now to understand what Peter is speaking to back in the time that he wrote this letter, we need to realize that Peter writes this letter to a group of Christians who are scattered throughout parts of Asia Minor. I mean that this Christian community has just been spread out and pushed out, they're being persecuted, and they're called aliens or strangers, right? We talked last week about this world is not our home. We are going through this world and that's why we should stand out even more, not just because we're light, but if you are a tourist in another country, you stand out like a sore thumb, don't you? They're like, they ain't from around here, are they? (laughs) Yeah, those, those those Americans, right? And here, Peter is speaking to these early Christians that have been scattered throughout Asia Minor, and they're called aliens or foreigners because they find that they live in a land that is not theirs, it's not their promised land, and that they are being persecuted and they are struggling under suffering. I mean, Christianity at this point was not a popular religion because most of the other religions were polytheistic religions. They had multiple gods that you could choose and carve and make, and Christianity was a monotheistic religion that said there is one God, and one way to salvation there are not many and if you don't find that way of salvation there's a one-way ticket to hell and the people of that time just like the people of this time do not want to hear that message do they I mean they want to have a creation of their own of how they can get to heaven because they're so good or they've done good works, so or they're nice people or you know a loving God wouldn't damn people to hell well he doesn't we choose that right If we want a life without God, when we face him in judgment, that's what he'll give us for all eternity. And if we want a life with God, that's what he'll give us. in judgment is a life with him in all eternity. But people want to think that it's all going to be good. I mean, think about the funerals you go to. You can have some kid that's killed 19 people, and they're at the funeral. What do they say? They were such wonderful people. Everybody looked up and loved them. That's just a lie. And that lie comes from their father, the God of this world, because Satan is a liar, right? He tells them what they want to believe, and that's where God calls us to stand out. I think what Peter is doing in this passage in 1 Peter is this. He's he's speaking three things to the people of this time, and he's speaking three things to us today. And that's this. He wants to remind them of something. He wants to challenge them to take up a specific challenge. And then he wants to encourage or strengthen them it's a process remind challenge and encourage or strengthen so let's receive the message that God is speaking through Peter and us today through his word first thing is and this isn't always what we look forward to is let God remind you of your past now most of us don't want to go there do we We don't like our past so much. But Peter reminds them of their past, and he reminds them not of their negative past, but he reminds them of their past and how God has taken them from conforming to the world to being transformed. And it's a good reminder of their past. Most of us, when I said that, where did our minds go? Negative. All the bad stuff that we regret and wish didn't happen and wish we had a couple do-overs, right? that's not what peter is reminding them of he is reminding them of how god transformed them what does he say he says you are a chosen people this is past tense which means that they have already been what chosen Chosen. it's already happened it's an event in the past that god already said i desire a relationship with you it's a done deal it's not in process and going to happen we don't have to work towards it it's happened we are a chosen people wait there's more we are a royal priesthood we've been placed into the royal family of God himself we have been created as a holy nation already set apart for God in that place of honor and he wraps it up and ties a nice bow on it with this package and says you are God's very own possession." The beautiful thing about Christianity is not who you are but whose you are not who you are but whose you are who you belong to you are God's own possession I want you to think about those specific words for a minute I mean we esteem God on high right the God of God the God of above all gods the God of only is the only God to deserve holy worship and praise and glory we belong to Him. You are, past, present, future tense, you are God's own possession. Let those words sink into you and impact you because they should impact you, shouldn't they? You are God's own possession. Turn to me to Jeremiah 32 now as we look in there. I'll be reading out a New American Standard. Jeremiah 32, verses 38 to 40. We read this promise from the Old Testament that Jeremiah is speaking and it coincides with what Peter is telling us in the New Testament. Jeremiah 32, starting in verse 38 to 40. They shall be what? My people. It's a foretelling of what Peter is sharing with us. They shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will not turn away from them to do them good and I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me That's a cool promise from the Old Testament where Peter is reiterating that in the New Testament that God says not only will you be a chosen people you will be my people I will be your God and I will not turn away from you but I will put my reverence my fear into you for your good and for your generations Peter is reminding the scattered persecuted Christians that they have already been chosen by God they are that royal priesthood that holy nation they are God's own possession in other words Peter is saying to him hey guys I know it's tough out there I know you're going through struggle through persecution whether it's at work or with your other family members who aren't believers I I know you're struggling through that but hang in there because you belong to God and he is not going to leave you and not only is he not going to leave you, he is going to use you for his will and his purpose. Peter's reaching out and saying, I want you to remember this when things are tough, when things are, when you feel down. God chose you. Again, go back to Red Rover. You're here in the world of darkness, and God comes in, radiating light, and the first person he picks is you. I want him i want her god chose you why so that he could use you in his will and in his kingdom so as we remember today we're not remembering the negative past of our sinful life and the mistakes we made we are remembering that god chose us in fact there is no way to come to salvation unless god first chose us right because the bible says he chose us he came to us god sent his only begotten son when before the foundation of the world world. and while we were yet still sinners and we were rebelling against god we weren't looking for god we were tough tailing the other way wanting to live our own life on our own terms and our own fashion and who cares what happens to anybody else right we wanted the fulfillment of our own desires and god says i am chasing after you Like that one sheep that has left the flock to bring you back into safety, I choose you. That's the remembrance that we do today, is that God has chosen you specifically for a reason and a purpose. Number two, second message of Peter, the challenge. Well, don't you like it when I say that? (laughs) The challenge. Peter was challenging the scattered Christians, and I believe he's challenging us, because what he says is this, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that although they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. He's challenging to take up the call of righteousness and the call of godliness, that we may live lives that stand out, That's what he's calling us to do. Christy read Psalm 67 this morning. I want to read the one thing out of it. It says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth and your salvation among all the nations. We ask God's blessing upon us that his face would shine upon us. Why? That we may be known in the earth. In other words, that we may stand out, that they may recognize us of, you don't belong here. This is not your home. You're a foreigner in this world, this land of darkness. And you're not conforming to our ways. We are not living a life of, hey, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? We are not doing that. We are standing out. Why? That last line in Psalm 67 says that your salvation may be known among all the nations. And again of what Peter is saying he says live your lives in such a way that you're going to get accused well you're just intolerant well you're just so closed-minded well I mean we've heard those things well you know you got to have a, a worldly bigger worldly view we get accused of those things we're going to get accused it's the way it is because we are different than the world but Peter says live your life in such a way that even though they accuse you there's no weight to what they say it's empty words and they know it and you know it and everyone that hears it knows it it's like the lie that you're just going okay now you're just being mean and stupid because that doesn't even make sense right it just doesn't stick it's like the water that rolls off the duck's back because there's nothing to hold it the accusations will come but they don't stick because they don't fit our lifestyle Peter speaks of advancing the kingdom of heaven and not just simply living a righteous life, but we're living a righteous life for the purpose of expanding the gates of heaven that others would see and glorify God. I love what St. Francis of Assisi said about this. He said this, and I quote, "'Preach the gospel at all times, "'and when necessary, use words.'" Right? Isn't that what Peter's saying? preach the gospel at all times, and when you have to, well, default where you can actually speak the words. In other words, let them see you. Let them see you. Peter's addressing a group of people that these scattered Christians were being watched all the time because they were different. Their lifestyle was different. Their belief was different. They didn't fit into the world that they lived in. They stood out, right? They were that light And Peter's saying, don't let that be a hindrance to you. Let that be encouragement to you because you've been chosen by God for this purpose, for this reason. That's why you're a holy nation set apart. Here's my question. I wonder who's watching you. I wonder who's watching you. And I wonder when they're watching you. I've shared with you in times past that I I treasure a memory that I have uh, from when I was in college. And uh, second or third year of college, I don't know. I was, you know, the great thing about being in a small school is you can do about anything, even though you're not qualified. So somehow, even though, as you will know, I can't read music, I can't read chords, I can't sing, but I made it on the choir team because they needed people, right? So I go on choir uh, tour. And a friend and I, we were in the basement of a church getting ready to get dressed with our little tuxes and dresses and everything. I didn't wear the dress. I had the tux, just so you know, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we're getting ready, and a friend and I were just having a conversation in the basement of this church as all the kids are in there getting ready. And little did we know, but one of the other guys, who was at this Christian college, who was not a Christian, but had grown up in that town all his life, was eavesdropping on our conversation. We had those panels, you know, like Ellen has in our Sunday school room, and we were behind one. He was purposely sitting on the other side, very quietly, listening to our conversation because he had been watching us because he knew we were Christians. And this also, it's a treasured memory, but it scares the snot out of me because he told me years later, after we had graduated college, and I hooked up with him one time in Colorado, he says, I came to salvation because of your guys' conversation. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did we say, <laughs> right? And all then my prayer is like, I'm glad we said what we did, whatever it was, because we probably could have said something else, right? But he said he listened to us, and whatever it was about our conversation drove the peg into his heart to finally accept Christ. Mm-hmm. We didn't know we were being watched. We didn't know we were being listened to. We were just speaking but it brings the impact back to us that you and I have lives that God has put out and made us like, so that people will look at us on purpose. I mean, in a warped way, it's kind of like with our Christian bug lights, right? You put that bug light on at night and what happened? Then the whole encampment of insects for miles around comes to that light and then they go to bug heaven. Right? Which is what we want non Christians to do. You come to the light and then you go to Christian heaven. You see, it's a warped analogy, but it fits, right? God has flipped us on as spiritual Christian bug lights to draw those people in to bring them to heaven, right? Isn't that really what we're doing? Kind of weird, but that's it, right? We are God's chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We have been chosen by God because we bring something in God's design to offer the team and to offer a world living in sin and darkness that they desperately need, and that is the salvation gospel message. That is to see that righteous lives are different lives than the world. That's the challenge that's the upward call of jesus christ that the apostle paul talked about when he said for me to live is christ but to die is gain you see we can't lose either way they kill you for being a christian you're just getting to heaven faster right we can't lose in christ and that's why god has called us to take up the challenge because we have that spiritual light of christ that good news gospel message that god has entrusted us to be ambassadors for him in a world that needs that message amen third thing peter wanted to do this to the people of the time and he's speaking to us also he wants to encourage us or strengthen us into getting our mind off of that desire temptation to conform because we don't like confrontation we don't want to stand out to realize that that transformation that renewing of our mind that living that righteous life is a good thing because it fits in the purpose of God that the accusations are going to come but the good news is they don't stick they're empty right they don't they can accuse you all you want it doesn't fit and we realize it that way we adjust our thinking as we're transformed by God we realize that what we're doing is a good thing Peter says that he called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. In other words, God rescued you. And not only did he rescue you, but he put you in that place, that wonderful light of standing out. It says once you had no identity as a people, you were just another person in the world, you were a number with no purpose, nothing, just living your life from day one to day end and there was nothing there but he says now you are god's own people and we know that god does not do anything without intent and purpose right i mean when god the father sent his only begotten son into the world did he do it for a purpose absolutely when christ came and was allowed to be crucified died buried and risen from the grave was there a purpose absolutely When you read the Old Testament book of Daniel and the New Testament book of Revelation and we know our future, is there a purpose? Absolutely. In fact, Jesus tells us, and I love this, where he says, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come back and receive you unto me. There's a purpose. And so while we're in this world, Peter is encouraging you, saying, You've got a purpose to be here. You're not like everybody else wandering around aimlessly. You have a purpose to bring that light into the world. One of the best biblical examples of this is our good buddy Saul. Remember Saul? New Testament Saul? Became the Apostle Paul? We read this in Acts chapter 19. It says, As Saul neared Damascus on his journey, and by the way, Saul. Was at the death of Stephen. In fact, he was holding all the other religious people's coats and shawls while they stoned Peter to death. Or not Peter, when they stoned Stephen to death, right? Saul, as a religious leader, not a believer Christian, but as a religious person, was out persecuting people, going from town to town and house to house, dragging people to jail, torturing people, imprisoning people for being Christian. That was Saul's life goal. And here he is traveling out, going to a town to persecute Christians, and this is what happens. Acts chapter 9 says, as Saul entered or neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and Saul fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And you all know the rest of the story that he was blind for three days. God sent him to another Christian who is going to persecute, to pray for him, and to minister to him. And Saul became one of the greatest forces for the gospel of Christ that we've known about. Sometimes I read that passage about Saul in Acts chapter 9, and I'm like, well, Lord, why didn't you do that to all of us? We're out living our own life, doing our own way, and all of a sudden this magic light comes out and radiates on us like you see on the UFO shows, and his voice comes thundering out, and we wet our pants like, what? And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting against me? I mean, I think our faith would be a lot different if that's the way it went down, maybe. But in whatever way it went down, whatever way you and I came to salvation, it was God's plan, And God still instilled us with his Holy Spirit and gave us that purpose and that gift to bring to the team to evangelize and to share the gospel message. You see, Saul deserved death. And didn't we as sinners? The consequence of sin, the price, the penalty is death. But through Christ, Saul received a new life. Not only a new life eternally, but Saul had an entirely new life as an individual. Suddenly his purpose, his life goal that he thought it was, was went from persecuting Christians to promoting Christians, to promoting Christ. And God put him in the crossroads of the world where he was with world leaders, he was with others, he was all over the place to present the gospel. And even crazy Paul, when he's in prison and he's chained to a Roman guard, he's preaching the gospel. Because he's got a captive audience, and this Roman guard can't get away for 8 to 10 hours, and he's got to listen to him. What a great way to evangelize, right? Hey, buddy, we're here for a long time. Hey, you know about Jesus? Let me tell you about my Savior. Shut up. Ah, you can't stop me from talking. You can't hurt me. I got to go to Herod and Pilate. You can't harm me. And you don't have earplugs. They haven't been invented yet. So guess what? We're talking a lot. This is the kind of thing that God does with us. It makes us into a kingdom transformation people, an eternally minded people to expand the kingdom and to share the gospel while we're here traveling through in this world. There's a question of good works. Again, we'll hit that real quickly. We're not saved by our good works. Our good works take place after salvation because we can't do enough good works. The Bible says our good works before salvation are as filthy rags and there's a whole nother connotation of that if you read your Bible and study that passage they're like garbage they're the refuge to throw away that's as good as we get but after salvation God created us to do good works good works meaning presenting the gospel as ambassadors for Christ presenting the good news that brings salvation our lives should be different post-salvation they should be different The good news is god uses us you and me with whatever gifts and talents and abilities we have god chose us he called us ambassadors he put it put us in his will and he says now go forth with my holy spirit and present the gospel peter makes it clear that god didn't choose us simply for our benefit for the benefit of others. We were chosen to benefit and bless others. You see this thing called salvation and God's blessings, we're not meant to hoard it, oh my precious, right? We're not meant to keep it, we're meant to give it away. And I love this thought that God gives you blessings you give them away. And in the world's mind, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going bankrupt. Well, God's bank account never runs out. And the more we give, it's a crazy math in God's world, the more he gives. If you are given much, what does the Bible say? Much is expected. If you're given little, God gives you that little to give away, but whatever it is, it's proportional, and we're called to give it away to bless others. Well, here we are as scattered Christians in a crazy nation, in a crazy world, aren't we? We're persecuted. We suffer sometimes for our faith. They try to keep us out of church with COVID. They try and take the Bible and prayer out of school and put yoga back in there. They try and do all these crazy things. But here's what I want you to think about as we've read what Peter is doing, where he reminds us of our past, not the negative past, but the past that God has chosen us and transformed us. He gives us the challenge to be gospel people to the world, and then he encourages us and strengthens us saying, live your purpose in God be transformed not conformed I want you to remember that people are watching you I want you to think about who's watching you they're observing your responses to certain events they're they're watching how you react to suffering and bad news they're watching for your peace that passes all understanding your your unsinkable joy your, your contagious optimism, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. You are being watched and God made you that way. I mean, he even says you don't make, you don't turn on a light to what? Cover it up and hide it. You turn on a light to shine, to be seen. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth And you are the light of the earth God has made you light not to conform but to be transformed to be all that God has called you to be so let your life preach such a strong gospel message that others have to notice you let your life speak such a tremendous gospel message that you don't have to use words let your light shine for the glory of Christ you are chosen you are redeemed you are a holy nation you are set apart you are a royal priesthood and most of all you are God's own possession how cool is that God calls you to go and live your life for the upward call of Jesus Christ and that's part of that transforming power in salvation not conforming to the world so go and preach and teach the good news going to all the nations whether it be your home or the ends of the world and let the world see Christ through you that's pray. father in heaven Holy Spirit Lord Jesus we thank you for your transforming power that you give us purpose you give us value you give us worth and it all stems from you That as you are the most priceless individual that there is, that you shed that pricelessness upon us, and you involve us in your will and your purpose, and you allow us to be part of your eternal plan. God, this is nothing that we deserve, and sometimes we're fearful of your great mercy upon us. But we know that in you all things are possible. We know that you have instilled us with the Holy Spirit and all that we need to be to be those ambassadors for Christ. Let us now go out and glorify you as we go out into the mission field and share the gospel message It be the light into the world. Let us not buy into the temptation to conform, but continue to seek and grow and be transformed by your word, by your presence, and by your Holy Spirit that you may have all glory in Jesus' name, amen.